Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Podcast. What is up, college and uh, pro lacrosse fans? Uh, this is the 60th episode of the Lax Factor Podcast. Today is going to be more of a random show. I actually don't have anything hard prepared. You know, no, we're not going to talk about any specific teams or players. I'm actually going to rip through U.S. Lacrosse Magazine's Dialed In uh, for this week. November 6th uh, article has a bunch of good stuff in it. There was a big announcement from Warrior and String King that I wanted to talk about, and then a bunch of other random things, more specifically about our plans moving forward with content and where we plan to publish it. And good news for everybody, we are not going to do the subscription model, and we are going to just stick with making everything, keeping everything free here on YouTube, Facebook, and wherever else we end up publishing. So that's good. Uh, the main thing we're going to ask, because we are, like I said, ditching the idea for this, uh, putting any content behind a paywall, is that you like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and share this video. More importantly, if you aren't able to support us by going to laxfactor.com and buying a t-shirt or some swag, coffee mugs, hats, or whatever, if you're not the kind of person that wants to do that, we don't care. But at least be the kind of person that smashes that like button for us or that shares this to their Facebook page or their Instagram page or their Twitter. Spread the word for us because as we decide officially not to do the subscription model and and or any type of paywall thing, we're not going to do a Patreon or anything like that. As we decide to ditch that and just keep putting this out for free and letting you guys decide how much money it makes in terms of watching it and uh, and buying t-shirts and things like that. Um, all we ask is that you be one of those people that smashes the like button and shares it with your homies and your friends, your players, whatever, wherever you find it useful. So I digress. Uh, but yeah, as always, go to laxfactor.com if you want to support us beyond liking, sharing, subscribing, and hitting the notification bell. And you can get swag. You can just watch our videos through our website, things like that. Uh, you can get the audio version also. So let's get into this here. Uh, I was looking at US, U.S. Lacrosse Magazine has a weekly column, the dialed in your lacrosse fix uh, for, and I think they usually come out about midweek every week. Um, so I've been reading this and following this for a long time. It's where I end up finding a lot of the news items that I want to talk about. So as I was ripping through this morning, they talk about Chase Scanlon. So that was cool. I, I'm not going to do that to you today. I've talked about Chase Scanlon transferring to Syracuse, but they link off to an article uh, that talks about the why. Why did Chase Scanlon decide that he wasn't comfortable and having a good time at Loyola, and, and why did he decide to transfer to Syracuse? So as a Syracuse fan, I was delighted by it. But if you check out, I'll link to this article in the description, the U.S. Uh, Lacrosse Magazine's dialed in for this week, and you can check that out. Another news item that... Uh, that I wanted to talk about. And this was kind of the main reason for this whole episode. I may even cut this up and make this its own video uh, on YouTube. You, who was it that put this up? U.S. Lacrosse put out a great infographic and it's called five ways to maintain perspective 
on youth sports. And it, I'm going to talk about it specific to lacrosse, but in general, this is just a youth sports thing. And what we've seen with youth sports is we've, we've seen youth sports uh, enjoy the commercialization that everything else in America has enjoyed. What happened was when people and coaches and, and other people decided, hey, we see that people are willing to pay us extra money to give to help these kids develop more. What started out as a good, interesting, helpful grassroots way of getting people some better training has turned into a horror fest of Herculeanic proportions. And nowadays it's hard to even know, are you play, is your kid playing for a club that's just all about hashtag getting that money? Or is your kid playing for a club that really is doing all of the things that they need to do to try to really, truly help your kid develop and, and place them? And the two are not, uh, you know, you don't always have one or the other. You know, there are scenarios in which maybe the operator of that club is a money-grubbing scumbag, but as part of being a good business person, maybe their club is so well-run that the utility in it is still there, despite the fact that they're only in it for the money. There are scenarios in which you could have money be the main consideration and they're doing a good job, um, but you really want to be careful these days of what clubs you're you're allowing your kid to play for. And mo listen, if money's no object, then who cares? Just put them on it, just get them playing and make sure they're having fun. That, that would be my main thing. So, But if money is an, is an issue and you're out here putting out three, five, six, eight thousand dollars a year to, for your kid to play lacrosse and you're strapped already. Those are the scenarios in which I would say, uh, you know, do you, is it, is it, is what you're doing worth it? But anyway, the whole point of this youth sports, it has become commercialized and it is now a business. We now have parents that are talking about their 10 year old kids in, you know, as if they're elite athletes that need to be trained like pros. And that's stupid. That's stupid. So I wanted to rip through all of the uh, the items within this article. There's five ways to maintain perspective on youth sports. So number one, always emphasize process over results. Yes, that's important. And as you get older, the results will eventually start becoming as important as the process, if not more important than the process to a degree. But these are kids. The process is everything in, in when you're considering that these are children that are just playing youth sports. When I was a kid, yes, there were kids that excelled. But I mean, back when I was a kid, it was just youth sports. That's all it was. Our parents showed up. They would sit in the stands and talk to other parents while we ran around the field at practice. And then same thing would happen at games, except they'd pay attention a little bit more, we would hope. But it was, then it was just youth sports. There wasn't a huge agenda. They just wanted to get us out of the house, get us involved in something. And that was it. Now... There's this hyper focus on training these 10, 12, you know, 10, 12, 13, you can start getting into training uh, as long as the kid that that's part of the kid's interest in makeup. But at 10, no, that's stupid. So that that's where they talk to, you know, talk about it, emphasize the process, the going to the practice and practicing is equally, if not more important than the game is. And so you right now you have an emphasis on tournaments and playing in tournaments and, and, and being in tournaments and just always being on the run, trying to get in front of coaches, get in front of coaches, people, coaches are not paying attention to your 10 year old kid. I'm not saying there aren't college coaches hitting things up and trying to build relationships with parents now, but the chance that your 10 year old kid 
that's excelling at lacrosse right now, the chance that he continues to do that and that he continues to play at that high of a level, it's not guaranteed. We, you see a lot of kids plateau. You see a lot of kids burn out. So make sure that you're focusing on the process. Make sure you're focusing on the fun. Make sure you're focusing on the camaraderie and make them understand that practice makes perfect. Practice is why you're there. Um, practice is supposed to be fun. And it's an activity, you know, at that point, it's not a sport. So always emphasize process over results. You're not trying to train an Olympian here. You're just trying to give a kid a new tool and lacrosse and, and the club that they play for or the high school they play or the, or the, the school they play for, the, the rec team they play for, that, that could be the, the way that you mold your kid into a better person by simply letting them learn life lessons as part of it. Emphasize process over results. Number two, no and understand your child's goals. Does your kid have a, does, is your kid just super hyper-focused? Like, you know, like they have ADD in a good way and this is what they're interested in and this is all they want to do. If your kid and your kid's goals are a little bit more towards, I want to get better and I want to dominate this. There are kids that at a young age do get to that point. And those are the kids typically that you see running around like crazy and scoring eight goals in a youth game. It's the unstoppable kid at seven that just runs up and down the field and the other team can't stop him while other kids are picking dandelions off the field and chasing butterflies around. There's always those kids that are running around like, you know, nuts, scoring goals and, and picking up ground balls and all that. So understand your kids' goals. Maybe you have one of those kids that will enjoy turning this into a little bit more of a training thing and having it be a little bit more structured. But the chances are that's probably not your kid. That's not the norm when we're dealing with kids under 10, kids even under 12. So know your kid's goals. If your kid's goal is I want to be on a field as much as possible and I just want to get better all the time and they really do want to train and blah, 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 then there are programs and things that you can take advantage of that will help that kid in that way. But make sure that that's your kid. If you just have one of those kids that right now at 10 just wants to be one of the boys or girls, just wants to be part of something, don't push that kid beyond their own goals because that's where you create burnout. You can create burnout even by allowing the kid to dictate the goals and allowing the kid to go hard. But as the parent, you need to be hyper-focused on making sure you're not pushing the kid beyond what the kid wants in, in that sport. And, you know, in, in lacrosse, we see that a lot. In lacrosse, we see parents who have kids that just maybe are naturally gifted athletes that tear it up. Maybe they're not the kid that still wants to you know, deal with all this training and everything. So a lot of times we see parents pushing the kid too hard because they see some natural talent in the kid that the kid hasn't even fully realized or even cares about yet. So just make sure you know your kid's goals and that what you're doing lines up with those goals and that you're not pushing your own goals and biases on the child in that way. And listen, I'm not one of those parents that says, don't push your crap on your kid. You shape the kid. All these parents that let the kids shape themselves, good luck with that because your kid's going to be an idiot. You shape the kid. So that's where it's important if you're a parent that's smart enough that you're trying to shape your kid, that you're shaping your kid in terms of sports that you know in a way that aligns with their goals. Uh, other than that, indoctrinate the hell out of your kids uh, because um, raising a kid that you don't like that doesn't identify with anything that you do, that's not going to be fun as they get into adulthood. You have to be kind of part of the same group there. Number three. Remember, there are no 12 and under elite athletes. They are all kids. And that's kind of already, I've already talked about that to a degree, but that's the truth. Your 12-year-old is not an elite athlete. 
your 12-year-old may be garnering glances from, from college coaches here and there because they're thinking, ah, I wonder if this is going to pan out in a handful of years and we're going to be recruiting this kid. But between the new recruiting rules and the fact that so many kids burn out. I've seen kids burn out. I'm not going to name names or anything like that, but there is a player that I have in mind right now that I am thinking of that at eighth grade, as an eighth grader, he was, we were playing in JV tournaments and playing against some kids that were young varsity players uh, at that. And this kid was routinely had the best skill set on the field. He was a small kid, but he was a supremely gifted lacrosse player, more importantly, and a really good athlete. He was pushed too hard. He burned out. He didn't play high school lacrosse. And I legitimately, this kid was on his way to being a high school All-American. If not a high school All-American, he he had that talent. It was no question when they when it came to our section voting on All-Americans, if this kid played all the way like he had through his senior year, he would have been one of the nominees and one of the guys they were talking about and voting for or not at, at that level. That's how good this kid was, did not play in high school beyond maybe a year or something like that. So burnout happens. College coaches know burnout happens. So no, right now your 12 and under kid is not an elite athlete. They are just a kid playing a sport. They may be a kid playing a sport and doing really well with it, but they're just a kid playing a sport. Now, number four, monitor your child's hobbies and interests. Now this more just goes into parenting. This has nothing to do with lacrosse or sports. This is just a general duh. You know what I mean? Make sure you know what your kid's doing. You know, there, there, when we were kids, there was the famous commercial, um, it's 10, 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? I, can you believe that that was legitimately a PSA, a public service announcement that was on TV every night? I forget what channel it was. It may have been something like TBS or USA or some crap like that. But every night, 10 p.m. hit, it's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? Can you imagine living in a world where parents didn't know where their children were at 10 p.m.? And listen... You know, I'm I'm not one of those ones that wants to sissify the world and all that crap, but uh, it just speaks to the concept that it is important to monitor your child's hobbies and interests. You should know who your kid's friends are. You should know what your kid's interested in because those things change. And if your kid's a lacrosse player and you're just like, hey, pushing them on lacrosse, 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 they may be missing out on learning other things or participating in other things that, that could get them further down the road. So example. Uh, your kid loves lacrosse, but maybe your kid is also gifted with painting, or maybe your kid uh, has a has a talent with instruments and wants to play music or some crap like that. Or maybe your kid wants to play another freaking sport. Maybe your kid wants to play some basketball, and maybe your kid's a soccer player. And it, you'll hear college coaches say until they're blue in the face, they would prefer multi-sport athletes. And typically when you see the best, the, the best college lacrosse players, most of them were multi-sport athletes in school. So there is utility in making sure your kid has interests uh, in the sporting world besides lacrosse, if that's where they want to go. But beyond that, make sure they have other hobbies. Uh, this is a hobby of mine. I have a day job that I work 40 to 60 hours a week. I, 40 is a joke. I haven't worked 40 hours a week in a really long time. You know, I'm working 50, 60 hours a week and I'm still finding time to do this because I enjoy it. Uh, so make sure that you're trying to develop a well-rounded kid. If the only thing your kid has by the time they graduate in their wheelhouse is I graduated from high school and I've played lacrosse, you, you did them a disservice. They need to have more hobbies, more interests. At the, when, when a kid's young, that's when they're supposed to branch out and do everything. So make sure you're giving your, your kid a chance to do everything. Five, have patience with the changes in size, skills, ranks, and progress as they grow. And 
there's multiple reasons for this, partly because we see a lot of weirdness with the clubs because, you know, a lot of this is run by idiots and all they care about is winning and not necessarily developing the kids. So you see a weird shift in how they, they, they warp the teams and you have kids playing against other kids that really aren't the same size or even really the same makeup or age in, in a lot of cases. So have patience with the changes in size, skills, ranks, and progress. So let's say it's a completely fair playing field and they're playing against a bunch of, uh, you know, 22, 23. I don't know what the stupid age groups, how they go, but usually it, it lumps kids together by graduation year. That's not very good because you start lumping kids together by graduation year. Now you start having kids that are 16 playing with kids that are 14. And there is sometimes a huge difference between that 16 year old and that 14 year old, or even as you get into the younger ages. I mean, when you start lumping kids together by graduation year and you start dealing in kids that are literally staying behind a year to change when they're going to graduate, or in some cases, they're trying to move kids up um, uh, and things like that also just to get them out of school a year earlier. I know that happens more rarely, but it happens. You end up at the younger ages with with mismatches, and and you're going to have if you just have two 14 year olds standing next to each other, their difference in size could be drastic. So it speaks to that as well, whether it just be an, a, a difference a difference in development or a legitimate difference in age. Be patient. You know, is there utility in letting your 14 year old play with and against 16 year olds? Absolutely, there is, and it really just depends on the situation. So be patient with your kid's development. Be patient with the their both their development in size and skill be 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 more one thing i always say is be patient with their interest level their interest level in the sport will play there's kids who are totally interested and want to play lacrosse but who are still going to chase the butterflies around on the field given the opportunity um and as those kids grow you're going to those that kid becomes a 12 year old that is interested in going to practice and games but maybe they don't want to do anything outside of that so be patient with with how they how their interest in the sport grows also. I know for me, up until I was in ninth grade, I was just another one of the players, you know, and about my eighth grade year was when I really started hitting the wall hard and things like that, and it kind of became a crutch for me. So I went from just playing lacrosse when I had to uh, to in my eighth grade year being at the wall and being up at the field shooting on cage constantly. And through my high school years, it consumed my life. But I was not one of those kids that took a huge interest up until that point. And, and once, I, once that started to grow and my skill started to grow and I saw like, oh, man, I might be able to be good at this, then I was all in and I became a lacrosse addict. And I still played multiple sports through school up until my senior year. Uh, was My senior year was the only year I played lacrosse only. But, you know, my interest, my size, all of that, it took a while for me to develop and other kids are going to develop it at different stages. You know, some of the kids that were the best players on our team when I was in youth sports, they all pretty much made it right through and they were all still some of the best players on our team by the time I was in high school. But they, you know, everybody developed differently. And, you know, in me, I was one of the worst attackmen on my team when I was in seventh grade. And by my senior year, you know, I was, you know, one of the best two attackmen on my team. I had a really good, really nasty line mate that put up a bunch of points. That was an excellent lacrosse player as well. So, um, I went from being one of the worst to one of the best, you know, second leading scorer, my senior year, leading scorer, my junior year, you know, second or third leading scorer, my sophomore year or whatnot, you know? So I went from being one of the worst players to, by the time I was in high school, developing into, you know, a better than average lacrosse attackman. So be patient, be patient with their interest, be patient with their progress in terms of how they grow, their size, their ranks, all of that. Be, be patient with them. And just more importantly, understand these are fucking kids, man. These are kids. 
and uh, you have to treat them as such. Treating kids, I, ex- I, I put my kids in a lot of scenarios where I expect them to behave like adults. But the difference being, it's okay to expect a kid to behave like an adult because you're trying to flex that muscle and you're trying to get them to the point where they're, able, you know, they're practicing adulthood and they'll do this naturally on their own, even just in their play. But um, understand that as you're as you're trying to push them. It's okay to expect them to behave like adults, but just understand they're going to fail and they're not going to to do it all the time. You know, it's okay to expect something from a child as long as your expectations are realistic so that when things don't work out the way that you planned, um, you're not disappointed to a point where it makes you puts you in the wrong. And uh, that that's kind of I'm starting to ramble here now. So I'm going to stop with that. But moral of the story, let's rip through them quick. One, always emphasize process over results. Two, know and understand your child's goals and make sure that your child's goals are your child's goals and not only yours. Some t- it's okay to, you, you know, you may have a goal for your child that you want them to meet and it's okay to put that on them within, a re- you know, to, within reason, but make sure that your goals aren't your child's goals only. Uh, three, remember there are no 12 and under elite athletes. They're all kids. Four, monitor your child's hobbies and interests. And five, have patience with the changes in size, skills, ranks, and progress as they grow. The more you know, ding. You know, so uh, just things to think about Uh, this alone. This will obviously this video I'll probably put up and let this stand on its own two feet as we rip through here. Another thing I wanted to talk about as I ramble here today, and this is a big one. Uh, it was, I think it was yesterday, or maybe it was even just today. It's been announced. I, I might even be a couple days behind, so don't quote me on that. But Warrior and String King have decided that they are going to lower the price of their heads, their just their head, unstrung heads, down to a max of seventy bucks. So apparently, you know, obviously they've all had models that have been above seventy bucks. Uh, and I want to say at one point there was unstrung heads that you could get for a hundred, hundred and ten dollars. So apparently they've announced that they're going to bring the prices for their unstrung unstrung heads down drastically. I want to say that part of this is because there's been a lot of comp- smaller companies that have started selling heads and, 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 and selling them at lower prices. And the heads are very competitively built. And I think that might be part of it. But I would think more if that was all that was at play, they would simply buy these people out and they'd keep selling their heads at 110. I think the other thing you're seeing is the, the stringing market. In lacrosse, the stringing market has blown up and a lot less people are buying their heads now from retail shops and more and more people are starting to buy their heads from these um, these stringers that are getting deals and they're reselling these heads in legal ways because they're reselling the service of the stringing. So I think that that may play also. Uh, I'm, I'm going to mention uh, a guy, future advertiser for the podcast, Traddy Daddy, one of my former players, Alex Hodges, Alex Squeak Hodges, um, great, great lacrosse player, great attackman, good kid. Good guy. Now I, I call them. I call these guys kids still, but just because relative to me, they all still are. But uh, you know, I coached. I coached him in high school a little bit, and then I coached him at Broom for a couple of years. So we built a relationship to the point where you know I call him a friend now. But Traddy Daddy, I'll uh, put a link in the description, and I, maybe I'll string in a little bit, a little bit of a video here of a couple of of his jobs. But specifically, he specializes in stringing traditional lacrosse sticks. So he's found a lot of success in that space, selling traditionally strung lacrosse sticks. Not just the guys who are playing now, but you know, there's a huge market for it for us geezers, geezers like me, who I always through high school played with a traditional lacrosse stick. I didn't uh, switch to mesh until college, like later, you know, in my college career. Uh, with the advent of Monster Mesh. I was a big Monster Mesh fan back in the day. But I think that's part of it. I think the stringers have kind of forced their hands here, and I think they realize 
with a smaller ticket price. Uh, what I noticed was a lot of stringers were stringing sticks and selling them on uh, subpar heads. And by, by subpar, I really just mean cheaper heads. And I think that they probably realized uh, with a sick string job, people are, would rather buy that sick customized string job on a $80 head or a $70 head than buy that $110 head uh, or buy a completely strung stick from Dick's or something like that. Uh, so I think that plays. I think that when uh, their better products are now going to be more readily available for the stringers, their better project products are going to be more readily available now for just younger kids, youth and things like that. And I think that they'll be able to parlay this into good things for the growth of the sport. I'm not one of those people that's going to believe the PR hype that they're doing this to grow the game. That's complete and utter bullshit. They can say it if they want to, but we know that New Balance isn't making a, a decision uh, about the pricing of their lacrosse heads based on growing the game and making it more affordable. That That's not the case. You can believe that if you want. It's not true. Um, but that doesn't mean that it, that's not going to be the benefit that is enjoyed because they've made this decision. I believe that it is firmly a business de- decision forced by competition, healthy competition. Uh, it's It's been created, I think, by smaller companies doing a good job at um, using China to um, create competition you know, against the big boys. And I think that it's mostly probably just them realizing that the price point where they're able to sell the most heads is here because I, I think that's really probably what it comes down to. They realize, hey – we are going to eat profit on these, but we're going to sell a hell of a lot more of them, especially to the stick stringing community, which is blowing up right now. The other thing to, to note is because I feel that the stick stringing community, guys like Traddy Daddy, I feel like they may be, and uh, STNY Strings is another one. That's another local one here. I'll link in the description. I feel like the fact, it's not a fact, but my hypothesis that it's a lot of this plays into their efforts, the stringing communities, it might be that that may cause this to be a short-lived thing, meaning right now, good example, the gun industry. Um, nothing sells more guns than a Democrat sitting in the office of the president. Um, gun sales go through the roof with Obama in office. Gun sales drop when Trump is in office, and, and that's just the way that it's going to go. When a Democrat is in office and people are afraid that um, they're, they're not they're going to eventually not have the opportunity to buy something that they want. They go out and they end up buying it in droves. So I feel like there may be a, a kind of component at play economically where they know right now there is a boom in the lacrosse stringing industry and in people buying sticks from I, I believe that because so many of us geezers are seeing so many dopely strung sticks out there that even we're buying sticks just to re-up. So like I've been using this bad boy forever and I strung this myself. I'm going to take this off the wall and it's going to screw stuff up, but I strung that myself. This actually has a sweet shaft that I manufactured and had, had uh, printed a, um, a camouflage shaft with a rampage lacrosse logo on it. So that was pretty sweet. But anyway, that's been my stick for a long time. And I'm just about to order a stick here from Traddy daddy and get myself a, a new stick, new head, traditional, uh, traditionally strung. So I think that between the boom, just realizing that they're going to be able to, at this price point, they're going to be able to sell a boatload of shafts to the stringing community alone. And that then beyond that, they're going to, it'll help the sport grow and they're going to be able to break into markets. I think this is a purely economic decision, not based on growing the game, but I think the happy uh, side effect of them deciding this was a better price point to move heads. I think the the happy side effect or happy accident is going to be that it will in fact help grow the game. It will make the equipment a little bit cheaper. Um, let's not get too excited until Cascade 
uh, comes comes in and they say, hey, we're going to drop the price of helmets also because, I mean, hell, I believe this little known thing, and this is this is something that people wouldn't like me talking about. This lacrosse helmet, when bought retail by a t- you know 15-year-old, 20-year-old, whatever, um, if a, you buy this retail at Dick's, this helmet will cost you, I, I, when I bought it, probably 200 bucks, 250 bucks. When we get when you get these helmets through a team, as long as you have a good team rep that's not a moron uh, and you're dealing with a good company, I believe that you could get this helmet for a hundred bucks, hundred and fifty bucks. So it, it wasn't uncommon for us as part of through our team rep. Uh, and if you're looking for a team rep, another great company, Graftex, Nick Darkangelo, look him up. Great team rep. Uh, we would get these helmets sometimes for fifty percent off, and we didn't need to order a boatload if we were only ordering. 10 helmets, we would still get that crazy team price. Gloves, it was the same way. So if you're a coach, never let your players buy equipment on their own. Always put together team orders and find a good team rep because you can greatly decrease the cost to participate for your players by simply having a good team rep that's getting you a good and fair price um, for the gear. If you're paying if you're paying 75% of retail for team gear, you're probably doing it wrong or you haven't found the right rep yet. And if you're buying your kid a retail helmet, you need to talk to the coach or even just talk to a group of other parents and maybe band together to try to put in some kind of bulk order because you'll get a discount. Stop buying helmets and gloves and things like that at retail prices. Stop buying helmets and gloves at retail prices when sold by a club because that club is probably absolutely raping you at that stage. If you're paying 250 bucks for a Cascade helmet through your club. Your club is fucking you, and that is not acceptable. You can't be doing that. Find a good team rep. Make sure that you're dealing with reputable people because the if you're playing for a team or you have a good team rep, you can get gear you know in the area of 50 to 75% off. That is a fact. And I'm going to have club coaches now commenting and, and player hating on me for that, but it, it's the truth, man. You, you can't. I don't know. It's part of the commercial commercialization of sports, but um, when when a, hel- a piece of plastic, I understand there's a lot of research and development that goes into this, but when this piece of plastic is going for two hundred and fifty bucks, that is a lack of true competition, and uh, the the free market hasn't taken care of business yet. So just make sure that you're being aware that you're aware of that. That if you're buying something at the retail price, you probably don't have to do that. And there's probably a way that you can get that helmet a lot cheaper if you just find the right club organization or whatnot. Um, I think that's going to be it. I think I'm done. I, I am going to say one thing here. I was trying to see. Okay. So this is a, isn't, isn't official yet because, I, I like I said, we, we're only just starting to uh, line up advertisers for future podcasts now. But specific to Traddy Daddy, I'm seeing here in a Facebook chat as I'm talking to you that he did say anybody that goes to Traddy Daddy uh, Lacrosse to get themselves a traditional strung, a tradition, a, a strung head done in, in some sort of dope traditional patterns. He does all sorts of custom patterns and crazy things like that. Five bucks off if you mentioned that you came for me. Tell him Ted sent you or Lax Factor sent you, and he'll give you $5 off your custom, strung, traditional lacrosse head. And uh, for today, that's going to be it. Uh, this is a big ramble. I'm not even sure I'm going to put this up as a video. Honestly, I may just put this out as an audio podcast because I rambled so much, and I'll put the whole spiel up about the the kids and everything up on YouTube. But moral of the story, if you enjoy what we're doing here, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. More importantly, share the damn video. You can go to laxfactor.com, buy yourself t-shirts, swag, and other crap like that. And as always, thank you for watching. Hoost is out. Hoost is out.